Faced with an uncertain future, many business owners and technology professionals don't have the time needed to invest in their business technology strategies. And as a result, they're afraid of their technology getting outdated and putting their company and customers' information at risk. The digital future is already here, but with all different choices in the marketplace, it's difficult to know which one will be the best fit for you and your strategic vision. Imagine having the peace of mind that your business is backed by the right technology investments that are tailored for your specific needs. Hi, I'm Brian Nichols, and I've helped countless business owners and technology professionals just like you, helping you make informed decisions about what technologies are best to invest in for your business. Voice, bandwidth, cybersecurity, business continuity, juggling all the aspects of business technology is messy. Let me help. Head to briannicholsshow.com forward slash help and sign up for a free one-on-one -on -one consultation with yours truly to dig deep into where you see your company heading and how we can align your business technology towards those goals. Again, that's briannicholsshow.com forward slash help to get your simplified business technology started today. Instead of focusing on winning arguments, we're teaching the basic fundamentals of sales and marketing and how we can use them to win in the world of politics, teaching you how to meet people where they're at on the issues they care about. Welcome to The Brian Nichols Show. Well, happy Wednesday there, folks. Brian Nichols here on The Brian Nichols Show, and thank you for joining us, of course, on another fun-filled episode. I am, as always, your humble host, and today we're going to go back to a conversation we've been having, and it's been kind of weaving through a lot of the, the different guests we've had in the program. And today we're going to be talking about how can we go back and maybe have some conversations with people who we've had some fights with or had some schisms with, and we're going to hopefully restore the ability to have real conversations today. Corey Nathan is joining the program. Corey, welcome to the Brian Nichols Show. Brian Nichols, how you doing, man? Great, glad to be with you. Thank you so much, Corey. Great to have you and great to have you on to discuss Yes, this very important topic, being able to go back and maybe re-engage in a civil conversation, civil dialogue with some people that, let's be real, we've had some fractured relationships over the past few years, especially as tensions have gotten so high, not only in the political world, but also in an era of COVID. And you have an awesome podcast, Talking Politics Without Killing Each Other. Uh, let's go in <laughs> first and foremost, discuss what an awesome name for a show, but what a great concept for right now where there's such a need in the marketplace. Number one, Corey, introduce yourself to the audience, but number two, let's go into what got us into talking about this, uh, this program. Sure thing. Yeah. Talking politics and religion. That's right. So I have, uh, you know, I, I, I must be a masochist of some sort. We talk politics and religion, all the stuff you're not supposed to talk about, <laughs> but I am, uh, I, I, I started out in the business world. I got my series seven, series 63 to be a stockbroker actually in, your old stomping grounds. I had some clients in Philly and Jersey, New York, but uh, I was doing that during the day and I was going to a theater conservatory at night. So I've always had this combination of business and the arts. And then over the years, I've started a number of businesses, nonprofits, ministries, and just have been, I, I've used my creativity to build businesses or to help other creative businesses. And, you know, I heard my first podcast, I want to say about three or four years ago, and the very first episode of any podcast I ever listened to, I forgot what it was at this point. It might have been Rogan. It might have been Marin. It might have been any number of the you know, huge podcasts that somebody pointed me towards. But I fell in love with the medium right out of the gate. And as someone who I've produced theater and, and some independent film over the years, uh, I fell in love with the medium right, at, right away and decided this is something that stories can be told this is a medium within which conversations, really interesting conversations among good people, uh, interesting people, 
can engage in goodwill and in good faith. So a lot of the worlds that I straddle, whether it's uh, from my religious background, I grew up as an observant Jew. Uh, my, my family uh, was going to an Orthodox uh, synagogue, but I became a Christian in my late 20s. So I had to, when I, when that happened, I had to ha learn how to have conversations about challenging topics, things that people take very seriously. Uh, and in my, in my business endeavors, I have people who are in the arts and people who are at my church. And, you know, a lot of the folks, their default posture on social issues, political issues can be very, very different, but being able to engage in a healthy way and being able to engage in such a way where you're not fracturing the relationship while you're talking about these topics where there might be great disagreement. And that's really what ultimately led to me starting the, the podcast, uh, Talking Politics and Religion Without Killing Each Other. I, I'm just nodding my head right now, almost in agreement without realizing, because I think all of us you know, that were listening to you there can at least think of one person in the past, and let's just keep the confines because it is about the two-year anniversary here of uh, 15 days to slow the spread. So uh, we, we're seeing right now that over the past two years, we've all probably had someone who has either uh, told you, if, if you're in the liberty world, you're a COVID denier, you want people to die, you just want to kill grandma, trust the experts, <laughs> trust the science, you're not an epidemiologist. I mean, I've heard it all. And the 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 easy way to go about that is to just turn off, to write those people out and say, hey, I'm, I'm not engaging in a conversation with you. And frankly, I've actually, I will confess, in some of my episodes, I've focused on who's our target market and overtly avoiding the people who are not actively in that target market. But to your point, just because they're not in our target market right now doesn't mean that they might not be our target market in the future. And it's important, especially if there are people that we've built relationships with on shared experiences, shared values, to maybe try and rekindle some of the, the relationship and earn some of that trust back. So I think you're addressing a very real problem right now. And, and Corey, let me ask you, you know, two years of this, What's been the feedback? Have people been saying, yes, we need this conversation to be taking place, and thank God we have you, Corey, leading it, or have people been pushing back and saying, no, Corey, we need to keep fighting, make make leftist tears cups, and, and make the, the, you know, what is it, own the libs? Yeah, own the libs, yeah. There, there's certainly no shortage of loud voices who are ready to mischaracterize, generalize, and demonize folks that they don't agree with. And it could be someone, you know, to your point, who feels very passionately about any number of issues, whether it's vaccines and masks or other political issues, abortion and pro-life versus pro-choice or, you know, what's happening in Ukraine mm. or just whatever the issue is of the day. All I know is I hate those, those people. I hate them. And whatever they're for, I'm against. And whatever I'm for, they're, you know, just thinking of it that way is just so destructive, counterproductive. It doesn't allow one to be an independent thinker on any given issue. And even on a particular issue, I mean, take vaccines, for example. You know, I came to certain conclusions and, and as a business owner have certain convictions and it's, I'm not pro-vaccine or anti-vaccine, but in certain situations, I am pro-freedom of choice in a way. I'm pro-making one's own decision. I'm in favor of informed consent. So if someone, uh, you know, 
there was there was a law several years ago in California that was basically mandating vaccines. I was very much against the law, not because I'm anti-vaccine, but because you didn't have any choice. You didn't have any say in the matter. Uh, it had to do with kids going to school, going to public schools. You didn't have any say in the matter. You did, there wasn't like the vaccines this time around. I was less um, averse to it because there were several different vaccines to choose from. And, and a lot of the mandates had options where, okay, you don't want to get the vaccine. So you get tested on a weekly basis, that sort of thing. That was a little bit more uh, my speed where you have options in terms of Merck versus Johnson and Johnson. Whereas the one in California several years ago, it was this whole like um, bag of, uh, or, or it was a diverse portfolio of vaccines, all of which you had to take, none of which you had any options in terms of, you know, the manufacturers or opting out of one. It was the whole deal or nothing at all. And so even, even on an issue like, like vaccines, it's much more nuanced or take it a step further, you know, uh, as far as um, small business owners, I was in, I am in favor of small business owners saying, you know what, people who work for my company need to get vaccinated mm -hmm. because it's their business. And, and, you know, if they lose and they have to face the consequences of their own decisions, exactly. they might lose some of their best employees if they take that stance. The way Kyrie Irving is opting out of of uh, Nets games right now, Brooklyn Nets games right now. And he's also willing to suffer his consequences for making his choice. So it's, a, I, I find it to be a nuanced issue um, where I would be against uh, the, the law in Florida, for example, where the governor said, no, you private business, you are not allowed to do this. I was against him imposing himself that way because that's not really, um, that, that's not li libertarian, if you will that he's imposing his will and his dictate on private business owners on decisions that they should be able to make for their own business. So I, I don't know all that to say, even on an issue like vaccines, and you probably disagree with some of the positions that I've taken, but it's, it's, we probably find a lot of agreement within that, uh, within that discussion, because it's really, an, and every issue is that way. There are multiple dimensions within that. Mm -hmm. So the larger issue I think is, how do we talk to each other about it? How do we, how, how do we not oversimplify one's position? How do we not make an enemy or turn somebody into he's my adversary, she's my adversary, they're my adversary? That's, that's another one. Uh, pronouns. Um, how do we do that? And I think part of it, part of it is admitting and owning up to the fact that sometimes I might be wrong. So that's that's one. Sometimes I might be on the wrong side of this thing. Uh, and, and reckoning with that and owning up to it. So for, I'll give you an example. Um, or, or maybe we're wrong. Maybe we may or may not be wrong about the issue, but we've gone about, uh, the, the engaging with people in the wrong way. For example, one of my uh, kids, he's 18, decided not to get the vaccine. And as I just mentioned, I, I was in favor of it. I ended up getting a Johnson and Johnson and, you know, uh, I, but anyway, when it first came out, I felt very strongly that the kid should get the vaccine. He didn't feel that way. At that time, his position was, was that, uh, well, I don't want to be a science experiment. So let me wait and see. But during that time when he was waiting and seeing, what happened was a lot of folks got really, as I'm sure you know, a lot of folks got really hostile with him, you know, made him feel stupid, made him feel irresponsible, made him feel bad because he was at least waiting and seeing 
you know, uh, and trying to make up his mind in his own time. And frankly, I was one of those people that got into a, a conflict and didn't go about it the right way. And that wasn't that wasn't the best way to go about it. I over time, I decided I simply wanted to stay in the conversation with the kid and respect him as a young adult, his decision, uh, respect that I raised a good person with who can think for himself, who has principles and ethics and, and morals and, you know, can come to his own decisions, which sometimes are not in agreement with with my own. So I let it lie. I felt like because I participated in the dog pile and the rabbit, I, I lost I lost the privilege of engaging with him and I just let it lie. Uh, and then finally, I said, listen, um, if you want to talk about it, let's talk about it. We disagree about it. But, you know, maybe we can learn from each other on the issue. And it wasn't until, you know, several months later that we could even talk about it. But at the end of the day, I thought having a relationship with my son and being able to have conversations with my son was more important even than this, even on issues of, of health or, you know, in this case, vaccines. So that was one way of redeeming a relationship, redeeming a conversation by owning up to the fact that I went about it the wrong way. And at the end of the day, it may turn out to be that I was wrong on the issue in the first place. So one way or the other, we're all human, we're imperfect. Sometimes we come to a wrong conclusion or sometimes we you know, try to persuade folks on a conclusion, even if we're right about it, in the wrong way. So owning, reckoning with all that, I think is a good start to redeeming some of those relationships and being able to have some of those conversations. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Oh, well, and I'm, <laughs> I was smiling as you were, you were telling that story because I had something very similar, only it was with my father-in-law, um, who is a nurse. He works on the cardiac floor uh, in the, uh, the, the hospital. And, and he actually got pushed to, uh, to the ER when they were having a lot of, uh, COVID influx cases. And, I think it was around December or so, right when the end of the Delta surge and Omicron was starting to, to creep up, he, he you know, really just pushed like, Brian, you got to get vaxxed. And I, I just, I said, I don't, I'm not going to, I, I think I've made the decision. I've looked at the data. I'm not in a high risk category. And as a matter of fact, I'm actually in a much lower risk category than a lot of other people that should be getting vaxxed that I know that weren't. Um, and the fact that, you know, I was, I felt almost being targeted, right? And, and to your point, your son probably almost felt like, well, dad, come on, let me make this decision. And you are giving him now the chance to tell his side of the story. And I think that's where a lot of people, and you, you started to mention it, you know, the, the feeling of you're doing something bad. You're, 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 you should be shamed for, for not just jumping on board with this. And a lot of people got defensive to the extent that they just shut down. And I'll be, you know, completely honest. There have been people that I just, I haven't engaged with because I know that they were not even in the, they weren't even in the ability to have a conversation, let alone wanting to engage in dialogue. So I know for me, it's been very difficult because I know it's a very topical and sensitive issue. So let's maybe just expand upon that a little bit more, Corey, because I think this is a very real thing that people can look at right now and say like, yeah, I see me or I see a similar situation where I know somebody who they either were you know, having this conversation about the vax or they themselves were a part of the conversation. Um, so what, how did that conversation go when you're talking with your son and you gave each other that opportunity for redemption. What does that look like? How can somebody, when they're and let's you know use this example here, um, how can somebody use this as a means to learn of how to install redemption into their routines when engaging in conversations? People, frankly, that they may disagree with. Yeah, that's a great question. So when I did re circle back around with Jackie Boy about it, my my son, I remembered three magic words 
help me understand. <laughs> you know, I, I came to an even stronger conviction uh, than I did about the vaccine. And that was this relate, like I said before, this relationship and, and, and being able to have conversations is more important than pretty much any particular issue. Um, so I, I felt like because I went about it in the wrong way, I, I lost the privilege to try to persuade him on the issue. So instead, when we circled back around to it, I said, Jackie boy, help me understand where, where are you coming from? I, I don't agree with your point of view, but maybe I can learn from it. Help me understand where you're coming from. And that's when I understood like why at one point he was open-minded about it, but then after a while, and this may be not the best um, reaction, m most mature reaction. He said, you know, everybody was treating me like a dumbass. Excuse, excuse my language, <laughs> but everybody was just treating him like crap. And, and it just made him not want to do it. He said, now, now I'm definitely not going to do it. Yep. Um, so again, it's, it, you, you can end up doing more harm than good. I mean, I mean, you're, 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 you train salespeople, you, you know, the art of persuasion, you know, if you're beating somebody over the head with the thing that you want to sell to them, that's not a really effective strategy of, of, uh, persuasion. So yeah, well, and also you, you, forcing them to, to buy your product or fear the threat of being fired too. That doesn't usually get them to, to jump up and down enthusiastically to, to say yes to your product. But I mean, I didn't mean to interrupt Corey, but I did have a no. question and sure. And I think, cause you, you said those magic words. And I, I actually use that exact phrase when I taught my sales team, help me understand if there's something that you need to get deeper context when you're trying to go through the sales process, it will show you where maybe you're missing something and it helps you learn along the way. So I think maybe one thing people on the other side of where, where Jack, Jackie boy, right. Was, was coming from. And, and frankly, where I've had a lot of these conversations was I was in the position of when COVID started, everybody pretty much knew that we didn't know what we didn't know, but we needed to see the data first. And that, I mean, Ron DeSantis, I'd say of all the governors did that the most effectively at the onset. He, he said, hold on, we're going to see the data before we just, you know, go shutting down society. And what we found was it ended up being mostly older people who were higher risk or morbidly obese people who were also higher risk that were ultimately getting taken down by this thing. And, and with that, we were able to formulate and, you know, you can see it in real time if you go back into the archives back, you know, March of 2020 and fast forward to today, the evolution of the thinking, but it's all been based on what do we know now and, and has that changed from where we were before and to be able to have the, the thought process articulated of how we got to where we are. Whereas when you would engage in the conversation with somebody who was pushing the vaccine or pushing the mandates, there was no there was no thought to it, it, it felt. A lot of it was an appeal to authority. You just, we, we don't know anything about this, so we'd have to trust the people who do. Okay, well, can you show me what they're looking at so I can feel I can trust it? Well, no, we're going to keep all that stuff hidden for 75 years. Why? And and that right there, I think, has turned off a lot of people from, and if we will go back to the sales analogy, engaging in the sales process. So I say all that because I think what a lot of people would love to hear is, well, Corey, in this, exa in, in this example, what did you learn from your son? What did Jackie teach you as you were going through in this road to redemption? And did you find yourself maybe moving from a position that you really held strong at the onset and maybe getting a little bit more on his side? It was mostly just an approach. I mean, you're describing what happens all too frequently in conversations like these. So the, the greatest conviction I walked away from is how we engage 
in these conversations mm. is really important. And it takes a lot of discipline, a lot of focus, a lot of independent thinking, frankly, to to say, okay, to, to enter into it in goodwill and in good faith. Yes. Uh, a couple of phrases that I used earlier on, you know, because we're, a lot of us tend to listen to uh, media, podcasts, uh, TV shows, what have you, that reinforce a priori positions, positions that we've, or preferences that we've already arrived at prior to even entering into an investigation, prior to entering into a conversation. So the greatest conviction from what I learned from Jack was, you know, put your dukes down, man. Like you're, you're not theologically, I have two convictions that no one can ever shake me of. One, there is a God. Two, I ain't God, <laughs> you know? So being being such, not God, you know, an imperfect creature, I believe that I could be wrong on this stuff. So if if I enter into it with the conviction that I am absolutely right and you are absolutely wrong, we're, we're probably not going to get any work done. That's the biggest conviction that I... But I, I think you're asking me of something else. I, I just... I think it opened up the possibility and, and I was thinking this before, but you know, I really considered the possibility of being able to make decisions for oneself, even within the context of a family and, and a community mm -hmm. that, that maybe that has certain, uh, it, it affect your decisions affect other people around you, but we got to figure out how to live together, especially when we disagree about it. You know, so if Jack, um, if Jack was willing to accept certain consequences for his decision, I got to respect that. For example, we were going to a, uh, we were going away on vacation, going to see my, my three other best friends, their whole families, everybody in the entire thing. It was 19 of us total. Everybody was vaccinated except for Jack. So I was afraid that the guys would say, yeah, Jack can't come. But to their credit, they're they They said, well, as long as Jack's willing to get a test and, you know, come up, with a, a negative test within a day or so of when we arrive, it's all good. So I thought that that was a good, um, I thought that that was a good negotiation, if you will. Everybody was willing to give a little bit. Jack was willing to submit to a test. They were willing to let a guy who's unvaccinated join the party. And we could figure out, we could figure this all out, right? But it's just, again, entering into a conversation, a dialogue in goodwill and in good faith and not assuming that a person who arrives at a different conclusion than you do is a bad person. So those were really the deepest convictions about it and what I learned. It's it's tough because we, we, we've all felt it over the past few years, the intensity, the conversations, they have in many cases been focused on making the people who didn't toe the line feel bad. And and I think right there that's that's the difference is that you're you're going at it through the lens that you might be wrong versus others who are going through the lens that they can't be wrong. And that right there speaks to how important it is when you're trying to engage in conversations that if you go in with the utmost certainty and you don't open any there's no door there for you to have the opportunity to be wrong, right? And that right there, I actually did an episode a few weeks ago, or actually a few months ago, now that I'm thinking back to it, man, COVID time is crazy. Um, it was the gifting the opportunity of being wrong. And that is so important in, in society, in sales, in conversations that are very difficult. It, and I, I've seen this, you know, I never will guarantee or promise anything to a customer, 
that I'm not certain of. I want to have my solutions engineer on the call because he's the the brains of the text behind the stuff that I'm I'm bringing to the table as helping the you know the solutions that are solving people's problems. So why would I guarantee that I'm absolutely right only to have maybe my SE say, oh, actually we can't do that, or that you know it's not even something in the realm of possibility. Now I have egg in my face, and it's hard to engage in that conversation because instantly your credibility shot. And and yeah. that right there, thank you for for creating an environment now where we're engaging in more dialogue versus engaging in debate. And and that's so desperately needed right now, Corey. And I know we're already getting hard pressed to time. So here's what I want to do as we go towards the tail end of the conversation. Um, I really want to give you a platform here for final thoughts and words of wisdom for the audience. If there's anything you'd want to take from today's episode and wrap a nice bow on it, please do so. And also, obviously, as we go towards the end of the conversation, we want people to be able to subscribe to this awesome podcast. Yes, talking politics and religion without killing each other. Where can we go ahead and do that? Corey, the floor is yours. That's awesome. I appreciate that. So talking politics and religion is on all the major apps of it. And there's an apostrophe after the N in talking and uh, and killing. There's no G in those. So that, that's how you can look for it. But it's really easy to find us politics and religion dot us. So politics and religion dot us is our site or TP and our pod on all the different. We're on TikTok now. So I, I must be. Uh, either cool or just a, a really bad wannabe, <laughs> TP and R pod. Uh, but um, what, what I love to leave folks with is, and it's something that you've talked about on your program, Brian, quite a bit, is remember the folks that you're talking to are actually human beings. They're three-dimensional human beings with complex ideas about different issues. And our tendency often, or at least the loudest voices in a lot of these conversations is often to learn one data point about a person and then let the dominoes fall about all the other assumptions that we're making about them. You know, for example, if, if I wasn't as, if I'm not as concerned uh, as someone else about uh, election, you know, that there was election fraud and the election was stolen. If that's not my issue, that person might then make all kinds of other assumptions about how I feel about the environment and how I feel about vaccines and how I feel about any number of hot button issues. But if we remember each other's humanity and everybody, you know, maybe doesn't even care about some of the issues that you care about. And then we engage with them as a human to human. I think that a lot of good work can be done. And frankly, I also believe that the loudest voices in the room do not make up the majority. A lot of these most extreme uh, voices and positions do not represent the rest of us. There is a silent or as quieted majority of folks that really do want to engage uh, better with folks that they agree with and then f find some folks that they disagree with on particular issues because i believe even within those issues there are points of agreement you know uh so i i could go i could go a lot deeper but i see we're running up on time but that's that's the spirit of it that's what we're trying to do yeah and and i think it's important too as we wrap things up Corey. It, it's a separate it's, it's we're not selling in this world right so th in this world folks like Hit the pause button on sales. This is talking about a real authentic relationship with somebody and building beyond a particular issue, beyond a particular solution, whatever it may be. This is something that we also need to foster because we talk about becoming the trusted advisor, right? People like the authenticity. They want to know the real you, but that also means learning the areas where you might disagree. And actually, if you can come to agreement on the disagreements, 
I think you're going to find that you might actually have stronger relationships. And actually, I'll, I'll leave us with this story, Corey. It's a true story. And it's funny how it just happened this way. Um, one of my best most just loyal customers I have had now for going on four and a half years in the telco world, which for anybody who works in cybersecurity, business continuity, uh, voice and, and bandwidth solutions, you know that it's a very, very cutthroat world. And yet this one prospect not only has been working with me one-on-one -on -one consistently, but we have built a very strong relationship. And it's funny, we've had conversations where he's looked at me in the eye and said, I disagree with about 95% of your politics, <laughs> but I really appreciate that you explain why you believe them and you're consistent and you're not just floating in the wind with an idea based on who's saying it at that time. And he and I, you know, despite the differences in politics, we have that great relationship. And I think that right there, Corey, is exactly something we can all take away from today's episode. And uh, yes, focus on building those strong, real, authentic relationships. So folks, if you enjoyed the episode today and you find you got some valuable, please do us a solid. Go ahead and give it a share. And when you do, please go ahead and tag yours truly at B Nichols Liberty. But with that being said, folks, if you want to learn more about Corey Nathan and his amazing podcast, Talking Politics and Religion Without Killing Each Other, all you have to do is hit the artwork here in the podcast catcher for The Brian Nichols Show. It'll bring you to today's episode where you can find today's episode, the entire transcript of today's episode, all the links from today's episode, plus Corey's bio. And oh, by the way, all 450 plus other episodes of The Brian Nichols Show. But with that being said, it's Brian Nichols signing off here on The Brian Nichols Show for Corey Nathan. We'll see you tomorrow. Thanks for listening to The Brian Nichols Show. Find more episodes at briannicholsshow.com. If you enjoyed today's episode, don't forget to subscribe. Want to help us reach more people? Give the show a five-star review and tell your friends to subscribe too. Find us at briannicholsshow.com and download the show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Follow me on social media at bnicholsliberty and consider donating to the show at briannicholsshow.com forward slash support. The Brian Nichols Show is supported by viewers like you. Thank you to our patrons, Daryl Schmitz, Michael Lima, Mitchell Mankiewicz, Cody Johns, Craig DaCosta, and the We Are Libertarians Network. This is renegade statesman Eric Brakey, host of Free America Now, a podcast for people ready to strike down tyranny. As a former state legislator who knows how the political machine works, I lead every episode with a free-range discussion alongside thinkers, activists, and policymakers. People like Tom Woods, Hannah Cox, and WWE superstar and Knox County Mayor Glenn Kane Jacobs on just how to free America now. New episodes are released every day, Monday through Friday, and you can find Free America Now on your favorite podcasting app. So be sure to subscribe, unless you're a communist, in which case I understand why you wouldn't really like the show. Furthermore, my opinion is the Federal Reserve should be destroyed, so let's free America now. <laughs>